welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy. Good morning, Kingdom Culture family. Happy Sunday. So thankful that you stopped by this morning with us. If you're part of our Kingdom Culture community, welcome. Please let us know how you're doing in this season. Let us know how we can continue to support you, pray with you. Give us some emojis in the chat. Engage in the chat. It really just helps connect the family. And uh, if you're watching on Facebook, please share the link, as well as YouTube. If you're new with us for the first time, everything I just said goes to you as well. Welcome. We're so thankful that you stopped by. Let us know where you're watching from. Let us know how we can get involved and support you in this season as well and pray with you. We're believing for incredible things this morning. And I want to thank the worship team. Man, we're just so grateful for you, worship team, Kingdom Culture worship team. We love you so much. You've been bringing it, the fire, every single Sunday, and uh, I'm just so grateful. Every time I see you guys step onto the digital platform, we're calling it the digital platform. We don't have an actual platform right now because we're not meeting in person, but the digital platform, I'm so encouraged, and I want to encourage everybody out there, even though it's five minutes, one song every week, engage, connect during this time of worship, whether you're alone, with your spouse, with your kids, just take that time and just love on Jesus a little bit. We have an opportunity to develop this side of our personal corporate worship as well. It's personal, yet it's corporate at the same time because we're not actually with anybody or with the body. But we can't wait until one day we get back together again, one day soon in Jesus' name, where we can actually do this for real in person, the way that I believe it was always supposed to be and is supposed to be. Today, we are going to be starting a three-part series called Divided. For all you superhero fans out there, you'll know what that means. We're going to be looking at James chapter 4, the book of James in chapter 4. We're going to be breaking down three specific areas over the next several weeks that connect back to this theme of divided. I believe that God wants to remove some unnecessary pain points in our life starting this morning. I believe God wants to remove some invisible barriers that we don't even know are there this morning. I believe God is going to do some deep awareness work in us this morning. He's going to unveil some things to us that maybe we couldn't see before. He's going to show us some things. He's going to make some things that were foggy clear this morning. So I just want to pray as we open up and dive into week one of our Divided series. God, I thank you for what you want to do, but I thank you even more for what you're going to do in people's minds, in their perspectives, in their hearts this morning. Holy Spirit, I'm asking for power, your power to be made known for everybody watching, whether they're watching live this morning or they're going to watch it after the fact. I just pray that your power 
would really impact and touch and change, transform people's lives this morning in Jesus' name. God, I pray for healing. I pray for just a rejuvenation, a reviving of sorts. God, I pray for renewing. I just I just pray for enlightening on so many different levels, God. And I just pray that we would get out of, if there's at all any complacency in us, that we would get out of complacency. We'd escape complacency. We'd find the exit door to complacency in this season. And we'd begin to run with the purpose and the plan that you have and want us to fulfill in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're diving into this series called Divided out of James chapter 4. And to kick it off, to kick it off, part one, calling it part one, there's three parts, part one, I'm going to be talking on the subject of dealing with gray. Dealing with gray. Everyone say, dealing with gray. And I want to read something that I wrote to kind of open up this message, okay? I don't usually read big paragraphs like this unless it's scripture, but I want to read a paragraph that I wrote down just as I kick off this whole series, but also this message this morning. Gray is neither black or white. Surprise. Gray is in the middle. The middle is not where God wants us to be. The middle is wishy-washy. The middle is undecided on on what to believe. The middle is governed by what-ifs, plan Bs, escape clauses, and is, like I said earlier, complacent. The gray is an earthly purgatory, so to speak, of coasting through life. It's fence-sitting at its finest. Fence-sitting at its finest. Say it again. I'll say it again. It's fence-sitting at its finest. It's one foot in the world and one foot with God. Some would say it's cool to be gray. It's safe to be gray. But I would say it's actually the opposite. It's the most dangerous place to be. It's lukewarm. And we know what happens in this place. It's not John 3.16. It's Revelation 3.16. All shades of gray are not God's plan for your life. Only three shades we need to worry about, and it's not 50. Let me ask you a question to open this message up even a little bit further. What if living on the fence of gray is what has been dividing not just us as a people, but actually destroying our very spiritual lives? Sit on a fence long enough and you will stop reproducing if you know what I mean. You cannot sit on a fence for very long, whether you're a female or you're a male. It's not healthy for you. And a lot of us in life, We decide to live in the gray because it feels the safest. I'm not saying no to this. I'm not saying yes to this. I'm either saying no to each side. I'm really kind of saying yes to each side. And that's what we're talking about today. Gray, being the middle, sitting on the fence. Now to open up the scripture to this, okay, we're diving into James chapter 4, okay? James chapter 4. Now, James, actually, is the oldest book in the New Testament. It's the oldest book in the New Testament. When you read the New Testament, it's actually not necessarily chronological, okay, as far as timeline and when uh, these different letters were written. James, okay, the half-brother of Jesus, 
uh, scholars believe was the one was the one who wrote this book that penned this letter. Okay, it's a very practical book. In fact, it's the most practical book probably in the entire New Testament. Practical by what I mean by practical is practical for faith living. Practical for how do we demonstrate and live out our spiritual lives in the everyday. Okay, so we're diving into this book, oldest book in the Bible. It's written to first century Jewish. Christians, okay, those that are being influenced by society's pressures and influences, and it kind of includes all aspects of spiritual life. Now, for those of you, like I said, James, the half-brother of Jesus, he was actually considered uh, the leader of the church in Jerusalem and called a pillar, a pillar in the church, okay, and like I said, it's the oldest book in the New Testament. Now, this passage that I'm going to read really is all about being pulled down into the middle that we call gray. It's all about the divide in us, okay? It's easy to talk about division, you know, maybe in family, division in church settings, division in corporate settings, division in society. I think there's lots of division happening right now in society. But we're kind of, I want to kind of redirect the focus for a moment and talk about the division even within our own lives, the division of our own beliefs and how we often sit in the middle divided and we don't even know what we believe. We don't even know where we, where we are called to stand. And so rather than standing, we sit and we sit and complacent on what I call a gray fence. Now let's read James chapter four, verse one. Okay, I'm gonna read it out of the Passion Translation. 10 verses, track with me here, okay? Read along with me. What is the cause of your conflicts and quarrels with each other? Doesn't the battle begin inside of you? So, you know, we're talking about the external here. James is saying, what's the cause of all this, these conflicts and quarrels among you, okay? He then he go he redirects it and says, doesn't the battle begin? Because where things begin are very important to address. It begins inside of you. Continue on. As you fight to have your own way and fulfill your own desires. You jealously, verse 2, want what others have, so you begin to see yourself as better than others. You scheme with envy and harm. Others to selfishly obtain what you crave. That's why you quarrel and fight. And all the time, you don't obtain what you want because you won't ask God for it. And if you ask, you won't receive it for you're asking with corrupt motives. Some translations would say you're double-minded, seeking only to fulfill your own selfish desires. You become spiritual adulterers. This is aggressive language. You become spiritual adulterers who are having an affair, an unholy relationship with the world. Don't you know that flirting with the world's values places you at odds with God? And that's what we're talking about right now. When you're in the middle, maybe you're not all in, but you're definitely not all out. You're kind of flirting with it. When you're on the fence, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this side, and a little bit of that side. That's what he's talking about. It's this compromise of living in the middle, okay? So it says here, don't you know that flirting with the world's values places you at odds with God? Whoever chooses to be the world's friend, now we're not talking about being friends with people that do not know Jesus. It's talking about the value systems, okay? We don't share the same value systems. We don't look like the world. We're called to look like Jesus. This is the whole reason why we're called ambassadors. Ambassadors represent another. And the word represent means to represent. We're representing Jesus everywhere we go. We are supposed to look like him, not like everyone else around 
around us, okay? And that's why we're called, our mission is to help people see him, to show people who he is, okay? Let's continue reading on. Whoever chooses to be the world's friend makes himself at God's enemy. Verse five, does the scripture mean nothing to you that says the spirit that God breathed into our hearts is a jealous lover who intensely desires to have more and more of us? He's a jealous God. This is not a bad kind of jealousy. This is the kind of jealousy that yearns for all of you, wants all of your attention, all of your affection, doesn't want you to live divided, doesn't want you to live gray, doesn't want you to damage yourself by sitting on a fence rather than standing on a side, okay? Verse uh, verse six, but he continues to pour out more and more grace upon us. For it says, God resists you when you are proud, but continually pours out grace when you are humble. So then, surrender to God. Stand up. I love this. Surrender to God, and doesn't say sit. Stand up to the devil and resist him, and he will flee with agony or in agony. Move your heart closer and closer to God, and he will come even closer to you. But make sure you cleanse your life, you sinners, and keep your heart pure and stop doubting. Feel the pain of your sin. Be sorrowful and weep. Let your joking around be turned into mourning and your joy into deep humiliation. I love this. Verse 10, be willing to be made low, which is humility, before the Lord, and he will exalt you. The question I'm asking you again to continue, for, I want you to continue to hear this over and over again, is are you sitting on the fence in this season or standing on a side in this season? Now, this statement sounds offensive. It sounds troubling. And I want us to remove all of our political opinions, all of our opinions about world structures, world systems, things that are happening around the world. We're talking about kingdom here, you guys. We're talking about what it looks like to live out kingdom culture in our life, biblical value in our life. I mean, you're coming here, you're watching this because you want to learn, hopefully, about who God is and who he wants to be for you. We're not talking about the political parties out there and all the division that we don't have to even be prophetic or intuitive or even watch the news to know exists right now. It's just everywhere. There's so much divide and so much division and polarization right now. I'm talking to you right now about understanding what you believe to be true about who God is and what God is like. Kingdom values, biblical values. Are you on the side of the kingdom or are you sitting in the middle trying to grapple with both? As soon as agendas get mixed in with our kingdom value, we start to wrestle with the two. We're not called to wrestle with the two. We're, God wants all of us. We're called to be all in. Romans 12 says it, to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. It doesn't say offer a piece, offer a little part, a percentage. God desires 5% of your life, and then you can kind of play with the next 95 and do whatever you want with. No, that's just going to cause you to self-destruct. God wants you to be, he's always He's always been this way, he wants you to be all in. That's why he gave his son. His son gave everything, his whole life, and we're to mirror that same image. It's a hard saying. And that's why people got offended by Jesus, because he said some hard things. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. You know how offensive and alienating and almost non, uh, non-inclusive that sounds? 
I mean, the gospel is all inclusive, but in a sense, it's exclusive because you have to do, you have to accept, you have to receive, you have to lock in, uh, open the wedding invitation to the greatest party that was ever planned for you. It's called eternity. I mean, you got to accept it. It's a gift. You have to unwrap the gift. The gift's there. It's under the tree. Every morning you come down, it's under the tree. It's in your house. It's in your in. It's in under the invisible tree in your house right now. The gospel. Just open up the gift. It's called eternal life. It's there. But you have the choice, the free will, to unwrap it or leave it under the tree and die without ever actually discovering what's inside of the box. The greatest present, the greatest gift that you will ever experience. Now, let me give you some examples of gray. Okay, like I said, I've kind of said it already, but one foot in and one foot out. That's what gray looks like. You're kind of one foot in, one foot out. Let me ask you, what's your gray in the season? What does your fence look like? And I'm gonna give you some examples. You trust God, but maybe not with your relationships. Maybe you're sitting on the fence. You can trust God in, in, in some areas, in many areas, but maybe not with your relationships. You would say, I believe in God, but man, I really struggle. I, I try to control my relationships and manipulate my relationships. And if I get rejected, I'm gonna reject before they reject me. And so you're trying to kind of control and, and, and oversee things that you can't really control the outcome of anyways. And so you trust God in some areas, but maybe not in your relationships. Or how about you trust God, but not with your marriage, not with your marriage. Maybe you don't believe that you're worthy of, of being faithful towards, or you're worthy of being having someone loyal to you, and you think it's just gonna fall apart, it's gonna break apart. There's areas of your marriage that you just don't trust. You trust God, but maybe not with your future. Man, all you think about, and all you think about is what if? And if I don't do this, I might get this. And you're always thinking of the worst case scenario in your future and you're scrambling to plan out of fear that you might fail. You might fail your future self. And so you have anxiety, 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 really. It, it revolves entirely, you guys, around tomorrow, around your future, around all these things that sometimes don't even exist. They just exist in the mind. What if scenarios, you know? And so we trust God, maybe not with our finances, we trust God in areas, but maybe not our finances. Maybe we trust God in our relationships or marriage, but not our finances. We're struggling to believe that the finances, our finances belong to God. Everything in our life belongs to him. You trust God, but not that he can and wants to heal you of the sickness in your body or in your mental health. Maybe for the next guy, you think, okay, you know, God can heal them. God can heal them. Or maybe you've seen God heal somebody, but you just feel like for yourself, I just don't trust God that he wants to heal me. And so you're sitting on the fence of almost indecision on whether or not you believe that healing is for you. It could be for everybody else, but maybe not for you. You trust God, but not with your career. It's all in your hands. You, you believe that you're playing this game called chess by yourself and you're moving everything. You're moving everything and you're in complete control and you're not trusting God with your career. Kind of like what I said earlier about your future. You trust God, but maybe not with your stuff, your material things. You hoard, you wanna hold, you're afraid of letting go. You're afraid of losing. You're afraid of losing what you have. You trust God, but, 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 but the list can go on, and it does, it goes on and on and on. These are areas, examples of how a lot of us are sitting on the fence in life. The fence life is a life lived in the gray. It's neither opposites of black or white, it's simply gray. Now, 
hear me because a lot of you right now listening are probably thinking, well, I thought the gray was okay. I thought the neutral was okay in some areas. I'm not saying that we don't ever journey through the gray to get to black or white. I'm just using black or white as polar opposites. I believe one thing or I believe the other, okay? I'm not saying that we don't journey through the gray to find one or the other, nor am I saying that everything even in scripture is as clear as yes or no. And that sometimes as we journey into it, it feels often like a maybe. I'm saying that eventually living in that space, okay, occupying the space of gray, like this is my space, occupying that space and the decision to stay there out of fear of being wrong is a very dangerous and damaging place to live. Like I said in the very beginning, you can't sit on a fence very long without it doing some damage. It's gonna hurt a lot of us there's invisible, intangible damage happening to your life right now that you're not even aware of just by simply not making a decision, not taking a stand. And I'm not talking about, once again, opinions about what's happening in the world right now. Okay, take a stand all you want, all that kind of stuff. That's great. I'm talking about a stance on the kingdom, okay? If some of us out there right now put as much effort into our kingdom statements and what we believe about Jesus to be true as we do everything else, man, it'd be a, probably a whole different world of receiving and hearing the gospel over and over and over again, okay? That wasn't a rebuke, just kind of a little bit of an encouragement and a reality that I think a lot of us, it's easier for us to take a stand on things that are practical, logical, make sense, feel like justice, feel like mercy, but then sometimes maybe not the same way when it comes to kingdom. This is why it's so important that we get out of the gray zone, even in our faith and our kingdom thinking, our kingdom values, so we can actually take a stand for what's the most important stance, and that's who we know as Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life, okay? And so that's what kind of what we're talking about today. The fence becomes a very the very place of compromise, and it compromises our ability to reproduce, repurpose, and revive, and often we're not even aware of it. And the deception of living in gray, and I'm, I just wanna keep honing and digging on this a little bit longer before we dive into a few points, okay? The deception of living on the fence is that it feels safe. It feels safe not to pick a side. It feels safe not to make decisions about certain things that we believe about God or, or about uh, how our life is to be lived out. It, it just feels safe because what ifs are all around us. Plan Bs are always knocking on our door because with God, really, there is no plan B. You know, when you, you don't try God and if it doesn't work, I got a plan B, backup plan. No, I mean, when it comes to Jesus, we're either all in or all out. And God actually, and I kind of referenced it earlier with the little meme, is that Revelation 3.16 is very clear. Like, lukewarm is not the desirable outcome that God wants. And living in the middle is like lukewarm. It's not either hot, it's not cold, it's in the middle. This is the danger of gray. I almost called the whole message the danger of gray. But we're talking about dealing with the gray, dealing with the gray. And I just believe that sitting on the fence without even realizing, is actually resisting God. It's actually resisting God because we're not submitting to one or the other. We're just in the middle, okay? And like I said, there's maybe areas of your life that you're all in, but there's areas that you're struggling. This message, my goal, my heart, 
is that God would highlight these areas so we can get off the fence and get running again in these areas that maybe are at a standstill. Maybe there's invisible limitations and barriers because we're sitting on the fence in certain areas of our life, in our finances with God, in our relationship with God, in our marriages, in our our families and how we parent and our careers, our future, all these things. There's areas of our life that God is continuing to grow us through and mature us through so we can go running again with him. That's the call. So how do we deal with the gray? This is what the whole message is about. I wanna give us three keys today to dealing with gray and getting off the fence of what I feel and believe is compromise. Number one, write this down, identify motives identify motives. Let's go back to the big, the, the main passage here, James chapter four, verse two, starting in verse two. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous. Now that word jealous could be also described as envy is actually um, the same definition of kill. Like you'll do whatever it takes to get what you want. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet, You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong, okay? The Passion Translation says it like corrupt motives, corrupt motives. And that word for corrupt motives, actually, if you break it down, means sickly prayers, okay? James, the writer, is encouraging us to not pray sickly prayers, to pray, imagine, Imagine how many prayers we may be praying every day that are just sick in their motives. I want this because of some sort of, you know, unhealthy motivation, corrupt motivation. I want this, God, and God doesn't give it to me. I'm like, forget it, throwing in the towel on God because God didn't give me what I want. That's what babies do. Babies throw tantrums or toddlers throw tantrums when they don't get what they want because there's an immature understanding of the value of a good father, a good mother is going to give, you know, give the, the, the child what they, number one, can handle, often what they need, not just and only what they want whenever they want it. And so check and identify the motives. One of the ways that we can get off the fence of compromise is to identify why am I not taking a stand? Or why don't I believe this? Or why can't I trust God with my finances or my marriage or my relationship? What's the motive? Like what's stopping me from moving forward? Because he's identifying James in here, the corrupt motives that even if God were to answer their prayers, okay, their corrupt motives really are a demonstration of their sickly prayers that they're praying. People often want what they can't have and then they get it and then they end up abandoning it. This is so sad because like in the dating world, for example, like often the chase is more exciting than the actual thing they're chasing after. And in the dating world, it's like you chase, you chase, you chase, you acquire, okay? Whether it's a woman to a man or a man to a woman, okay? And you let's say you acquire, uh, I almost said asset, that sounds really bad, but you get to come into the relationship finally, And it's like, you just stop, you stop the pursuit. This is the challenge of every marriage out there. It's easy to pursue, but then what does it look like to pursue after you've already received? What does it look like to keep on moving? It's like, it's easy to, you know, when God shows up, you finally have this crazy wild encounter. And you're like, wow, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm like set for days. I'm set for months. I'm set for years. Like I'm a forever change. The challenge is now is how you continue to maintain that pursuit to continually seek out more and more. Well, we, we're called to do this in relationships and marriages, 
and even within vision and within goals that we set for ourselves. It's important to keep on moving forward. I don't believe that you know, God wants us to have a plan B. It's like a lot, oftentimes, and I tell people, like, when they're in the dating phase and they're asking me for advice, I tell people, like, if you have a plan B, it's not gonna work. If you're just trying this out, it's not gonna work. If you're going in with that mentality, now I'm not saying that, you know, every time you start dating, you have to know by, you know, know that you know that you know, but but if your motives, if you're just gonna try a bunch of, you know, it's like trying pants on, try a bunch of pants on and see how they fit, I would, I would suggest to you just to kind of wait a little bit. Before you go to the store and try every pair of pants on and realize you don't even like the store anyways, I would just wait and, under, and, and, and kind of lean into what God has for you in this season and figure out the timing of God. That's, this is the challenge that all of us have in every area of our life is figuring out the timing of God because God doesn't want you to have, have a plan B. If you're, if you're in a relationship, especially when you put the ring on the finger and you get married, like there is no plan B. If this doesn't work out, I got a plan B. There is no plan B. There's no plan B with God, okay? We're called to be all in. Commitment looks like all in without a plan B in every area. Because if you have a plan B, you're not all in. It's impossible to be all in and have a plan B. That's a side note though. So number one, identify motives. Identify, I almost went down a bad or long rabbit trail there. Number two, love humility, okay? Love humility. Second key, to get off the fence of compromise, dealing with the gray in our life. James chapter four, verse six, but he gives more grace. I love this. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse seven, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, this word for humility here means, or could be described as, in the Greek, inner, lo inner lowliness, not loneliness, inner lowliness, describing the person who depends on the Lord rather than self. So many people out there, I've heard it many times, like, I am my own God, okay? That will only get you so far when all of a sudden things don't go your way. If you were God, you could control or, or literally manage everything flawlessly, but the reality of it is you don't. Things end up falling apart, so what do you do when they do? If you don't have someone on your side in your corner with you, you're alone in it, and it sometimes takes people crisis to realize their need of a savior, and that's unfortunate, but humility looks like inner lowliness, okay? Lowliness, describing the person who depends on the Lord rather than self, which could also mean obedience. One of the best definitions and simplest definitions I've ever heard on humility is obedience. And this also continues, if you continue to break it down, means God-reliant rather than self-reliant. God-reliant rather than self-reliant. So let me just sum that up. Humility means obedience, being God-reliant and not self-reliant, realizing that you are not God, he is, Jesus is. So why love humility? Why do we need to love humility? Because first of all, it's gonna exalt us, it's gonna promote us, but second of all, it's going to show us that we, to, 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 to be on one side, we have to fully surrender. Because the Bible talks about this here, submit in verse seven, submit to God. Submit to God. If you want to understand humility, God gives grace to the humble. Why does God give grace to the humble? It's the grace to be able to surrender. 
Submission is surrender. And when you surrender, you're able to resist the devil, which is what it's saying here, so that he will run from you, okay? Let's break down this word submit for a second. What does it mean to be in surrender or submission, to submit in this scripture? It means to submit under God's arrangement, submitting to his plan, to be under obedience. Once again, it looks like humility. Surrender is the outcome or the fruit of humility. You cannot be humble and not be in surrender. You cannot be in surrender and not be humble because it looks like obedience. Obedience is surrendering to God's plan, surrendering to God's will over your life, surrendering surrendering to God's steps for your life. And let's talk about what this word resist means, okay? Submit to God, okay? Resist the devil, verse seven, and he will flee from you. This word resist means to not sit. It means to stand. Here's that, 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 that thought again. We're not called to sit on the fence. We're called to stand. You can't stand on a fence. Well, some people maybe could for a little bit. You can't stand on a fence. You're called to sit on a fence or you're called to stand on a side, okay? But you're never called to sit on a fence. I'm just using that as an example for a second. You're called to stand, pick a side. Take a complete stand, it means. To take a complete stand against, to have a 180 degree contrary position. To resist the devil is to have a 180 contrary position. In other words, I'm walking away with my back towards the fence. I'm walking away with my back towards the fence. It means to establish one's position publicly, like everybody does with their opinion, their thoughts on everything, which is, once again, is okay. I'm not saying don't do that, okay? We all do it with that, though, okay? But what about all these other areas of our life? To establish one's position publicly by visible by visibly holding one's ground, refusing to be moved. Or it also means to forcefully declare one's personal conviction, to be unswervingly in their standing, okay? It was also a military term in classical Greek used, meaning to strongly resist an opponent, to take a firm stand against. Now, if you read the Aramaic in verse 4, seven, okay, resist or or submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And in the Aramaic, it's actually translated the accuser, which is Satan, the enemy, will flee in agony because of the one who stands with you. Oh, I love that. Because of the one who stands with you. You know why the enemy's gonna flee from you? Because in grace, which causes humility, which looks like surrender, which allows you to resist the devil, allows you to resist the enemy. Guess what happens? He flees in agony because he doesn't just see you now. He sees the one who stands with you. Because in humility, man, you have whatever it is that you need. Pride comes before the fall. Pride will take you out every time. Pride will take you out. Pride is the opposite of humility. It will take you out. Pride will knock you down and take everything from you. But humility, literally, it opens the door to the one who stands with you made visible to the enemy. That's why when you resist the devil because of submission through humility because of his grace, track with me here, okay? The enemy in the Aramaic, he flees with agony because of the one who stands with you. Oh, I love that so much, so powerful. Number one, number one, first key, okay, is identify motives. Love humility, number two. Number three, our last point, and then we're done, is find loyalty. 
find loyalty. Out of James chapter 4, verse 5, find loyalty. I love in this scripture, I've already read this to you, but out of the New King James Version, it says it like this. Do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? Okay, so we're talking about this passage here in James chapter 4, 1 to 10. It's a passage of the danger of living in the middle, the danger of gray, the danger of sitting on the fence, okay? The danger of having friendship with the world's value systems and structures, okay? Kind of having a little bit of this and a little bit of that, trying to be, or being pulled on both sides. You want God, but you want this, so you sit on the fence, damaging your ability to reproduce, to perform, <laughs> to do all the things that you're called to do in life, but not knowing it because you don't always know the damage it's doing by being neutral. Neutral is a dangerous place to live. And in this context, God, uh, he refers to an Old Testament scripture talking about the spirit of God who dwells in us, how he yearns jealously. He's a jealous God. He wants all of you. He doesn't, he wants all of you as like a jealous lover would want their bride or their groom, okay? This word for yearns means to crave passionately, to have strong affection for, okay? Then it goes on in verse eight, continues on this tread, on this track. Verse eight, come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts. Now listen to this, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world, your loyalty is divided between God and the world. I'm hoping and I'm praying that in this season, the Holy Spirit would speak to, and I'm asking for myself, hopefully what's feeding me in this season is also feeding you right now. But my hope and my desire is that God would continue to reveal to me, to reveal to you where our loyalty is divided. If there's a divided loyalty, sometimes it's so subtle, we don't even, not even aware of it. But as long as we're on the quest of loyalty, on the quest of pursuit of God, on the quest of building strong community, on the quest of being in the Word, on the quest of, you know, having counsel in our life, accountability in our life, mentors in our life, I believe we will find and we will see these areas where God wants to continue to do these spiritual chiropractic adjustments like I talked about last week. This passage is, or this verse, these verses really describe divided, well, the whole passage does, divided loyalty where people are sitting on the fence of unhealthy spiritual life. I remember back in June 27th of 2010, 11 years, almost 11 years ago now, I had this dream. I'm not going to go through the whole, all the details of this dream. I had this dream and I shared this in a message years ago around a topic just like this. And in the dream, uh, in the dream, I remember this, the whole premise of the dream was I was seeing the jealousy of God in my dream, like the jealousy of God towards me, but towards the body of Christ, towards like the church in general, like how he wanted our attention. He wanted our affection that, you know, it wasn't enough just to do your spiritual thing on Sunday, read your little devotional on Monday, you know, and kind of peace out for five days, five more days of the week. You know, God wanted all of us, our attention, wanted our finances, our marriages, our relationships, our futures, our careers. Like, and when I say wanted it, he wanted to be a part of it. He wants to be a part of it, wants to be invited in. When we think God wants it all, we're like, God's just gonna take it all. Like we, we kind of, some of us think God's just gonna take it. Like, and we, we, we don't get to enjoy it. No, that's not what it means. 
That's not what I mean or what the Bible means about offering everything to God. It's about inviting him into the journey. Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge me and he'll lead your path straight. That word for ways means, means in all your journeys. So simply, to trust in the Lord God with all your heart, okay, and to lean not on your own understanding is to acknowledge God in all of the seasons. And literally, like, literally, it means to invite him in to every season and every journey of our life, our finances, our futures, our relationships, our marriages, our parenting. We're inviting God in to every area of our life. That's what it looks like to give everything to God, okay? So in this dream, I was seeing the jealousy of God. I mean, I was experiencing like, this, this yearning that was coming from God of wanting our attention as a church. And I remember I was seeing it as though I was seeing him towards the global church, the big C church, the ecclesia, which is the people, okay? The people are the church, not the infrastructure, not the building, the people. And I remember going back to this dream, once again, I'm skipping a whole bunch of details, so just track with me. I'm gonna focus on one element of the dream. I was coming back to a secret room. I knew that room was what would be called the secret place. And the Bible talks about our personal prayer life being that secret place. Go into our closet, that secret place, and pray, okay? So it was symbolic of our personal union, intimacy with God in relationship. And I remember I was coming back, and there was a crack in the door. It was like somebody had broken in. Somebody broke into the secret place. And, and it, it, there was, it was compromised. And I went in, and I opened up the wallet. There was a wallet it was my wallet. I opened up the wallet. And once again, in the dream, I was seeing myself as I was seeing the heart of God for the church. And I opened up my wallet and three credit cards were stolen. Okay. There was the personal credit card. There was the family credit card. And there was the ministry credit card. Ministry represents purpose, plan, the calling of God over your life. Family, of course, what's really important, our family, the people around us, and then our personal and it's like if we if we compromise and we are letting a crack, even a crack in the door in our relationship, divided loyalty, eventually we're going to lose our personal credit. That's what it represents, our credit card, our personal credit, our family credit, as in like the credibility of the strength of the family unit. And then, of course, the credibility of our ministry, our calling speaks of maybe you're in business, whatever it is for you, your mission in life. And I'm telling you, all those things are connected. They're interconnected. And this is why I believe God wants us to understand the value of finding loyalty and not sitting on the fence of neutral ground. It says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3, don't lose your grip on love and loyalty, don't lose your grip on love and loyalty. Tie them around your neck. Carve their initials on your heart. Earn a reputation for living well in God's eyes and the eyes of the people. The word for loyalty means favor, loving kindness, and beauty. It's beautiful when you find loyalty. Loyalty looks like favor. It looks like beauty. It looks like loving kindness. And so many of us are living in this unnecessary place of pain because of divided loyalty. It's a sign that God doesn't have our full heart attention. It says in Luke chapter 11, verse 23, this is the words of Jesus. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me. So here, let me, I'll read this again for a second, but think about this for a second. Jesus said these words, okay? So being on the fence is you're neither there nor there. 
You're neither over here, you're over here. You're gray, you're in the middle. Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, verse 23, anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. So if you're not on my side fully, you're actually opposing me. You get, this is what we, I think so many people love the words of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus. But when they hear stuff like this, they're like, I can't handle that. And that's why in John 6, when Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh, drink my blood, you have no part with me, a whole bunch of his crew left him. They actually said, this is a hard saying. And then Jesus said to them, okay, you guys are going to leave because you're offended. And then he looks to his smaller crew. Are you guys going to leave too? You know? And it, this is the thing. Jesus, it, there are things that Jesus will say and has said and says that feel alienating. You know, we want this all-inclusive, non-exclusive God. The reality of it is, yes, he's all-inclusive in his love for everyone. But we have to accept his love sometimes through the hardness of, of the things that he's saying and the rebukes, the kind rebukes, the hard rebukes, the chastising, which actually means child training. Sometimes when a child's growing up and they need training, they're chastised, not a bad word. It's not like slapping the baby on the butt, telling them they're a bad boy, bad girl. No, it's actually just picking them back up again and helping them train and guiding them forward. But sometimes that training hurts. It's painful. It doesn't feel good. It says in the message translation of the same verse, Luke chapter 11, verse 23, this is war and there is no neutral ground. There's no fence. Fence is neutral. This is war. If you're not on my side, you're the enemy. If you're not helping, you're making things worse. That's out of the message translation. Think about people pleasing. It's just like this. It's neutral. You want to please this person? You want to please this person. What happens? You get stretched you get stretched too thin. You get pulled on both sides. You can't handle living in that space. You're going to get ripped apart. You can't live in the neutral. It says, this is war. Imagine living, imagine being in a war, okay? You actually kind of are in an invisible spiritual battle in life. You are. You're literally in a battle, okay, that Jesus has already won, but you're living in it, and you're living out your victory every day. Imagine living on the fence in the middle of that war. You are a prime target to be taken out. And on one side or the other side, you're in the middle. Everyone sees you. They're like shooting at you. Like you're like an easy target. Neutral ground, living in the middle, living in gray is an easy target. It will destroy your life. It will take you out. People die in the crossfire on the fence, not able to handle the hits from both sides. I mean, we don't even grow anything in our career by having divided loyalty. If you're if you have a vision to grow a business or, you know, expand your career, I mean, you have to have focus. You have to have loyalty to your vision if you're going to see that thing grow and move forward. You cannot have divided loyalty. You cannot have divided loyalty. When we cease to resist God and get off the fence and surrender control to Jesus, we are capable of resisting the devil. The neutral zone is the pride zone. I've kind of covered this a little bit. It's this idea that I've got it all under control. God wants us to find loyalty into the in this season, I believe that. He wants to reveal to us. And I believe that, just like last week, this is kind of like a kind rebuke and a course correction. And, and I'm chewing on this stuff. What does it look like to not be neutral? What does it look like to not be sitting on the fence? What does it look like to be fully loyal to God's cause and mission in my life? And to, to let go of some of these opinions and, and political insights and nuances. And not, not that those are bad, once again. Don't hear me and then go, you know, you know, 
uh, hear, misinterpret what my, my heart is in this, in, this, in this moment. We need all that, and that's okay, and that's good. But more than all of that, we need to know where we stand in the kingdom, what we believe about God, who God is, what he wants for our life. I remember hearing this and reading this story just as I close this story of uh, a crowd of people and um, some of this crowd went with Jesus. Let's call Jesus success, okay? Let's call, as we understand success in life, let's call going with Jesus as the successful route in life, okay? So it's a crowd of people and some went with success, some went with Jesus, and then some went with the devil, Let's call the devil failure for a second. He represents failure. We have success, Jesus. We have the devil failure, okay? So there's a crowd. There's a split. There's a divide, okay? One individual climbs the fence and decides to stay there because in his mind, he neither choose failure nor success because he wanted to keep his options open. He wanted to keep his options open because what if failure is actually the good side to go on? What if it's not failure actually, it's actually success? So this guy decided to, to, to climb the fence and stay there in the middle, in the gray, okay, to keep his options open. Then one day failure, which represents the devil, came back and he appeared to be looking for something. Walking around, walking around this fence area, appeared to be looking for something and the man said to him, have you lost something? Like, are you looking for something? And failure, which is the devil, okay, said, no, 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 there you are, come with me. And the man said, but I chose neither success or failure. I don't belong to you. And the devil says, that's okay, I own the fence. As I close, this is what I want to bring home this morning. We think neutral is okay, but it's the most dangerous place to be. I love this little story that kind of represents what I believe to be a biblical truth, that the, the most dangerous place to live is complacency. It's that lukewarm place. Yes, the devil may own one side of the fence, but he also owns the middle, because in the middle you make no decisions. When you make a decision to follow Jesus, you make a decision to be all in and loyal to Jesus, he loses his grip on you. He loses his power over you because he's been stripped of his authority. But when you open the door to give him authority in your life because of divided loyalty, whether you're on his side or not or in the middle, then you give him authority to rule and reign in and through your life, whether you know it or not. Jesus gives us an opportunity, and he's giving us an opportunity today to get down off the fence and choose life, choose what we, what he calls success or what he believes to be as significant. God wants us to get off this neutral zone in these areas of our life because these areas, even as a believer in Jesus, when you're sitting on the fence in some of these areas, it's like giving the enemy a crack in the door giving him a crack, and if you give him a crack, eventually he'll kick down the door, take over the whole room, open up your wallet, and remove all the credibility from your life. It's a slow process, it's often an invisible process. We don't always see it, it's a slow moving of the door. And so this is why it's so important to deal with the gray, the division within ourself that is not 
fully occupying our place and space in our relationship with God and our purpose and our calling in life. My prayer for you today is that you would see the love of Jesus in his desire to get you off of the fence and into, into dedicated, full-on, I'm all-in-with-you relationship with God in every area of your life. Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus, never made a decision to let him into your life. It says in Romans 10 that if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. The greatest decision you'll ever make in your life. And if that's you right now, I wanna encourage you to say, Jesus, if you want him in your life, you wanna get off the fence, you wanna get out of that neutral zone, let go of the pride, come into humility, let go. To get to get low is to go high with God. But right now, maybe you're high on the fence. You're, there's a pride that's stopping you from letting him in. To get off the fence is to get into humility which is to get into and move into the promotion that God has for you, and that's relationship with God and the invitation for God to penetrate every area of your life. And if that's you, just say, Jesus, I believe you're God. I want you in. I want to get off the fence today of compromise, get off the fence of complacency. I want to move forward in non-divided loyalty towards you in Jesus' name. I want success. I don't want failure. And I wanna move forward in my relationship with you. I receive your forgiveness today. I receive the power of the Holy Spirit inside of me to live the life that I'm called to live today in Jesus' name. If you said that, you meant that, you leaned into that prayer, I believe it's the best decision you'll ever make in your life. We wanna get, you know, help you, support you any way we can, pray with you. For everybody else watching and including you that just made that decision, I want you just to stretch out your hands right now. I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray that God begins to shake the fence, that he makes that place so uncomfortable for you that you can't stay there any longer, that you can't sit there any longer, and you realize how damaging it really is for you, that he just wants all of you. He desires every part of you. So God, I pray right now you rattle the fence. You'd shake that fence. you shake that fence so hard, God, it would be so uncomfortable to even try to stay there any longer. That God, I pray that in this season, you would like beckon us. I don't have any other word than, than that word. Beckon us, like pull us in. Pull us in deeper into relationship because you are a jealous God and you want all of us. God, I pray for those that are trying to like, you know, be friends with everything and try to like have a little bit of this and a little bit of that. They would see the value of being all in, the value or the negative impact of divided loyalty in this next season. They, they'd be aware of it. Some of us aren't even aware of it. I pray that you'd remove the blinders from our eyes to see like you see in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you'd heal and touch people's bodies right now. Maybe they've been on the fence with, could God heal me? Am I worthy enough for God to heal me? I pray that today would be a day that they would remember forever, that you touch their body physically right now, mentally, in Jesus' name, that you would invade their careers, their businesses, their jobs right now, their families, their parenting their relationships in Jesus' name right now. God, in this season, I pray that you would unveil how good you really are in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, love you. Hope this encouraged you. Uh, please, I, I encourage you, maybe watch over again the message if you feel like you need to go over some stuff again. Dive into this scripture with us and let's continue over the next several weeks breaking this down. We love you, Kingdom Culture, and we'll see you next week. Wow, what a surprise. Yes, I miss doing like a series with Pastor Sean. So excited it for is. part two, part three. That It's gonna come over the next weeks, divided. Wow, this was Man. super, super encouraging. Was, May we was. position ourselves 
more and more in this season ask yeah. for god's wisdom and really step in in what he's calling us to so yeah let's hope you were encouraged by this amazing message like he said if you need to go back listen again yeah. share this with someone that you feel will be encouraged by this just click the share button and just share the link with them you know we just want to acknowledge anybody who made the best decision in yes. your life this morning by saying yes to jesus if that was you we would love for you to email us at prayerkingdomculture.ca so mm -hmm. we can get connected with you yeah so we can go along this journey with you and just celebrate you be a part of your journey and so email us please email us at prayerkingdomculture.ca so we can celebrate so we can go along this journey with you send you some resources mm -hmm. to help you be the best person that you can be in this season and moving forward in your life yes awesome guys hope you enjoyed this morning have so an amazing good. week come on yeah share this with someone remember share. Subscribe, Smash. like, and enjoy your weekend. Love you guys.